Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're going to have a good night, I think. I think. I want to, like I said, I want to quickly share something that's close to my heart. And it really is the other side of what I've been sharing this morning. Because... While there is very much a God that loves us, and while there is very much an enemy that wants to destroy and kill the plans and purposes of God for your life, that is all true. Otherwise, I wouldn't have shared it this morning. And we will continue that series in our AM service. But tonight, I want to share something that I've simply entitled, People You Can't Help. People You Can't Help. Help. Yeah? People you can't help. Let's turn to Mark, sorry, Matthew chapter 7, reading from verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, this is Jesus speaking about the things that he was teaching on a regular basis. He's like a wise man, say wise, wise. who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and they beat against the house. Yet it did not fall. Just because you build your house on a rock doesn't mean the storms of life are not gonna come your way. But when the storms came, ever say when the storms came? When the storms came, this house that was built on the rock did not fall apart because it had its foundations on the rock. Reminds me of a song we used to sing back in the day. I'm standing on the rock and my name is on the roll. Anyway, <laughs> but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Say foolish. Who has built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and they beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, The crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. We are not here as a local church just to tickle people's ears and give them what they want to hear. We want to equip you for life. And life can be hard and it can be nasty and it can be cruel. And that is fine because where Jesus is, you can overcome the nastiness and the cruelness of your circumstance or your situation and shine forth as gold and bring glory to God. Amen. And so we want teaching that's going to equip you for life, not just give you a message that your ears want to hear. This message tonight is really, really important. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is important. Listen up. It's important because it involves your growth. Who wants to grow? This is an important growth message. What I know to be true is God does a work on the inside of us, but it's our choice to add the right ingredients on the outside. The choices we make are really important in life. 
And we have to be able to discern the distractions. As I've already mentioned, Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, when they were in Ephesus, were on their way to prayer and then they were greeted by this young girl, but she wasn't like any other young girl. She was demonised and she kept saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. These men are the servants of the Most High God. And this went on for days and days and days. And it was an incredible distraction. So much so that they performed an exorcism. She was set free and then they got into more trouble. The enemy wants to distract us. And one of the ways he does that is through people that want to waste our time. They want to waste your time. And so we need to be able to discern those that we can help and those that we cannot help. Are you with me tonight? See, in over 20 years of ministry, I've come to a couple of conclusions. And the first one is simply this, that you can love everyone, but you can't help everyone. I mean, this isn't just, you know, some young guy standing up here. I know I look young, but I'm not just this young guy who's just started in two weeks and think, you know, we can help. These are the conclusions I've come to after a long period of time. You can love everyone. Even that has its challenges. But you can love everyone, but you can't always help everyone. And the reason I say that is because not everyone wants your help. Not everyone thinks that you've got something that is worthy of their ears. Not everyone thinks that you have got worthy, something worthy to listen to. Or that maybe they don't see that they have a problem. So who are you to speak into their life? And as a young preacher growing up, when you're trying your best and you're wanting to help everybody, you, you know, there were some dark days for me as we, I reflected on what could I have done better? How could I have cared more? Maybe I should have visited them more. Maybe I should have done more. Maybe I could have preached better. Maybe I shouldn't have preached about the devil. Maybe I should have preached more about Jesus, etc., etc., etc. And you get yourself all bound up. But over the years, I've just learned to be a little bit more relaxed. And I realised that I can't create a good life for you. Only you can do that. You need to, you need to take a chill pill tonight and understand that you can't help everybody. My job as a pastor is to create a platform and an environment for growth. But the growth that takes place is dependent on how people respond. And that's incredibly freeing. It's freeing for me as a leader of this church. And I trust it's freeing for you because honestly, sometimes I think we get, we get you know, a, a God complex and we, or we try and save people that just actually don't want saving. We try and help people that don't want your help. And we end up wasting many, many weeks months, possibly even years on the wrong people. You can't help everybody. You see, God is not going to do for you what He expects you to do for yourself. Not even God can help everybody. You've got to catch this tonight. It's amazing to me that there are certain people in Jesus' world and when they had enough and they wanted to leave, He let them go. Yeah. It's amazing to me. And these are some of the same people that we think that we can actually help and yet Jesus was prepared to let them go. And essentially what we're saying is we are better than Jesus and not even Jesus could help everyone. Yeah. The other thing I've learnt and the other conclusion I've come to is this, that medicine only works when it's been swallowed. 
So you can love everyone, but you can't always help everyone. And medicine is only good if people choose to swallow it. I don't know if any of you have children or remember being a child and you had to take certain medication. As a young kid growing up, I was quite sick. I had suspected this and suspected that. I was in and out of hospital all the time and I used to have to take pills. That, I don't know. I don't know if they were that big, but they felt like they were that big. And I had this incredible way of not taking those pills. And Mum and Dad would try and put them in meals. They'd, they'd squash them up and try and put them in drink. I'd see all these things floating to the top. I'd say, oh, can't fool me. How many know what I'm on about? But if it was a desperate plea, a desperate cry to try, you got, this is going to do you good. I know you don't like the taste, but I, I, I know you're not going to enjoy it for a moment. It's going to do you good in the long term. Take your medicine. And I feel that picture is like God trying to say, let, let, let's do what we've got to do in order that God can do what only He can do. And without that, we're going to end up wasting a lot of time and getting distracted by a lot of people. And so I've got in my short time tonight, five kinds of people who you can't help. It's not because I don't want to help people. In actual fact, the opposite is true. It's because I do want to help. By sharing this message, it's because I actually do want to help you tonight. I want to help you stop wasting time. I want to help you discern who to spend time with and who not to spend time with. I also trust I will help you. You may even identify yourself in some of these points and you may learn something about yourself tonight. So everything in my heart is about wanting to help you. And so in wanting to help you, you need to know that you can't help everybody. And so five characteristics, five things, five types of people that you can't help. Number one, those who only listen to their inner preacher. I say all the time, Whenever I preach or whenever there is a preacher in the room, there's always two preachers in the room. There's a person who's standing up on stage and on this occasion it happens to be me. And then there's a person sitting in your chair and that's you. I'm preaching tonight and you are preaching tonight. And can I just say this? What I'm preaching doesn't stand a chance against what you are preaching about what I'm preaching. What you say about what I say is going to have more impact in your life than actually what I say. What you are preaching to yourself right now as I'm preaching is going to have far more impact in your world and in your life and in your family than what I say tonight. So you can listen to a lot of great messages and we live in the world of podcasts. You, you don't have to travel the world to hear all the preachers around the world. And I know there are many of you who have podcast after podcast after podcast, and you're comparing this preacher to that preacher. And we tickle our ears with what great preaching is out there. But know this to be true, no matter how great the preacher is that you are listening to around the world, that's not going to be as good as the inner preacher in you and what you say about what they are saying, regard God and His Word. Your counter message is more powerful than the very words of Jesus Himself. You know, the Jews and the religious people of the time when Jesus came to planet Earth some 2,000 years ago were expecting a Messiah. They were expecting the Son of God to come. 
They're expecting the Holy One of God to come and redeem and save and lead and govern. They're expecting a Messiah. And when this Messiah stood before them and spoke the very Word of God, you don't get a greater preacher than Jesus Christ Himself. You can listen to a thousand podcasts and they will not match Jesus' message. And yet when Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate stood before them, they said, what is that guy on about? He's just a carpenter. We know who you are. We know your dad, he was a carpenter. We know your mother, we know your sister, we know your brother. And they missed the day of their visitation because the inner preacher in them was far greater because they knew the Scriptures. No, the, 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 the Messiah would not come like that. The Messiah would not do this. The Messiah would not do that. He would look like this. He would look like that. He would not be the carpenter's son. There's no way. And they missed out on some incredible teaching because the preacher in them wouldn't shut up long enough to hear the word of the Lord. And so you can preach and you can preach and you can preach and you can preach. But your voice will never be louder than the inner voice, the inner preacher of a human being. And we need to get wise in discerning that. You know, I can stand up here and say, we're going to talk about money and straight away, the inner preacher in us starts talking. It's called self-talk. All the church wants is your money. I've been to a church where they ripped me off. And no matter how much I say, hey, look, we love you. You don't have to get, doesn't matter what I say. I can't compete with a voice that's in you. We've got to learn as individuals to quieten that inner voice so that we can hear the voice of God. Otherwise, we're going to miss our day of visitation. God is wanting to speak to us. God is wanting to do something unique through us as a church. And if we don't have ears to hear, and if we don't quieten our soul and quiet our spirit, we're going to miss our day of visitation. If we're too busy trying to be Mr. Fix-It and solve everyone's problems, we're going to miss and waste a lot of time. Because this I know to be true. The devil wants to keep you busy with people who aren't interested. He wants to keep you busy with people who aren't listening. Yeah. We can't help everyone. In Proverbs 23, verse 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but in his heart he's not with you. What this proverb is saying, and maybe you can relate to this. When someone comes around your house and you're, Hey, what's mine is yours. Help yourself to the fridge. It sounds generous. But you just go to the fridge and help yourself and then all hell breaks loose. He's saying one thing. But in his heart of hearts, he means something else. So when he says, eat, drink and be merry, help yourself to the fridge, in his, vo- in his inner voice, his, his, his inner preacher saying, you better not touch that food. <laughs> he wants to appear generous. He wants to appear religious. He wants to appear caring. But in his heart of hearts, it's another story. When we say yes to our will, and our ways, when we just think we're always right, you will never change. And so if there is a struggle going on inside of you when you hear the preaching of the Word, I I would encourage you to, to listen and be willing to surrender to the voice of the Lord 
Because without that willingness to surrender, you'll never change. And so when we're listening to a message, can we get out of the habit, please, of saying, oh, that's for so-and-so. Oh, I hope so-and-so heard that. We do that. I've done it. We've all been guilty. I I hope so-and-so heard that. I hope my wife heard that. (laughs) This stuff goes on all the time. There are some of you right now thinking, how did he know I was singing that? Because (laughs) you can't help people who only listen to their inner preacher. Secondly, those that are always, sorry, those that always see the answer as relocation. You can't help someone who's always moving, who won't buckle down. Remember Jonah? Jonah is that kind of weird prophet found in the Old Testament that was asked to do something great for God. God asked him to go into a particular city and bring revival. And it was something that challenged him. It was something he didn't like. And more importantly, it was something he didn't want to do. Have you ever been challenged to do something you don't want to do? This is what Jonah did. It said, he was told to go to the great city of Nineveh in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and preach against it because of its wickedness. But Jonah, instead of just saying, okay, Lord, your will be done, not mine, he ran away. He ran away. In actual fact, he went in completely the opposite direction of where he was told to go. It'd be like God saying to us, go to Melbourne. We say, okay, I go to Perth. It's, that, that's what's happening here. He, he's running away. He, he finds his answer in relocation. Of course, we, we, we always spiritualise it. We say, I feel the Lord leading me on. We, we do that. But the Bible says, blessed are those that are planted. You can't just keep running every time there is a problem, every time you are being challenged, every time there's a difficult situation that comes your way. You can't just keep running from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. If your answer is always in running, then I'm afraid we can't help you. No one can help you if you're just going to run away from the problems and challenges that come our way. Can I just say, don't run, stay. I've shared this illustration before. It's more poignant to me now because we have a little puppy. But one of the toughest things to get a puppy to do is to stay. They're so full of energy. They're so full of life. They just want to do everything but what their master, me, tells them to do. And that is stay. And so we have this fight every day. We want to go upstairs. We want to leave the dog downstairs. And we've got this door. And we're like, Tobias, stay. Tobias, stay. And like Catherine, we gradually open the door. I mean, we're like prisoners in our own home. Stay, stay. And we're going backwards, stay. And, and yeah, he's bouncing around and jumping around. We're stay, stay. We're kidding ourselves. Stay. So he's just bouncing around. And in the end, we just got to just shut the door and just. I think it's like a picture of, of how God's with us. Like, it's nice, just stay. Work through your problems. Don't run away. Stay. Can't help you if you're going to run away all the time. Can't help somebody if they're going to run away from their problems that come their way. Not even God can help if we just keep running away. I think of this moment where a rich young man came up to Jesus Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, just like our puppy. 
and said, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, fulfill the commandments. I've done all that. And Jesus, smiling at him, says, how about you sell all that you have? And instead of manning up, instead of responding to the voice of the Lord, the Bible records that this man went away. He left sad. He could have actually responded to the voice of the Lord and, and had an incredible life and had more than before. But he went away sad. Don't run. Man up. Stay. Because when you stay, that's when you grow. And God wants us to grow. Face your fears. Thirdly, those who value events over process. You can't help someone who just wants another event. I love Sundays. I do. You know, there's so much good that happens on a Sunday. But essentially, Sunday is the event. It's a worship event. We come together and we sing and we praise God and we hear from the, the preacher and we have some fellowship. But essentially, it's an event. But most of the growth takes place not in events, but in process. Everyone say process. In John chapter 5, verse 5, it says, one speaking of a gentleman that had been by a particular uh, pool for 38 years because he was an invalid. He says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Now, he's already got his excuses. I'd, I'd like to be made well, but I can't get into the water to be made well because there's no one to help me. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. And then Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. This is an incredible moment. It's an incredible event. It's an incredible healing that takes place. And maybe some of you out there would say, if we saw more healings like that, the church would grow. I don't necessarily know that it would. We might attract a certain group of people who want to see some miraculous things. But I don't know if the church would grow on events like that alone. Because the growth in that man's life did not take place at that moment. That was a supernatural encounter. Growth took place the moment he says, okay, now I've got to get a job. And when you've got a really bad resume like this man would have had, imagine him going to get a job. So give us your resume. What have you been doing for the last 30 years? Uh, not much, actually. Well, we'll be more specific. Well, I've been lying down next to a pool doing nothing. I mean, Jesus heals him and gives him an opportunity. And, and now it, he's going to walk into this cruel world. How many setbacks? How many knockbacks? How many people say, well, I'm not going to hire you. 38 years, been lying there doing nothing. Are you kidding me? Oh, so you were crippled, were you? Well, why are you walking fine now? Oh, but Jesus healed me. Who's this Jesus? I don't know what Bible you read, but there's problems all throughout it. I mean, Jesus healing this guy, he's just created a massive problem. At least there's a beggar who's getting some money. Now he's getting nothing. There's not much money out there for an ex-beggar. I mean, there's just not. He's like his source of income has dried up. The only thing he was good at, he's now been taken away from him. 
probably the only thing you'd do is get a job at the council, just standing there doing nothing. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Sundays are great for breakthroughs. But victory's won Monday morning. Tuesday morning. And we're going into winter too, the cold morning. It's getting up that, just that little bit extra, that little bit earlier, just to be able to make sure that you get the Word of God into your spirit, into your heart. That's where growth takes place. And you can't help someone who refuses to embrace the process. You say, hey, have you been reading your Bible? Ah, oh, well, no. Nah. So I can't help you. You know, as I, 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 as I meet precious people, people I love, people who come to this church, the times I ask, what are you reading? Oh, I haven't read the Bible for a while. Seriously. It's time we man up. It's time we face up. I don't want this message that I'm doing on Sunday mornings to become your uh, get out of jail free card and blame the devil for everything. We have a very real enemy, but we do have to man up and take our responsibility as well. There is an opponent that's going to try and stop us reading. And you know what? You know, have you ever been trying to read the Bible and you fall asleep? Then get up and walk around. You've got to do something. You can't keep blaming the devil. You can't keep blaming the circumstance. You can't keep blaming the situation. You've got to man up. You've got to woman up. You've got to take responsibility. Because if we don't and just want the next preacher to come through or the next prayer line, we will never grow. And I'm sorry, I can't help you. And not even God can. Can you imagine this invalid of 38 years gets knocked back after knocked back after knocked back and doesn't get a job, has suicidal tendencies and takes his life? It could have been his worst. That healing could end up being the worst thing that ever happened to him without a process being added. Yeah. Now, I don't know how that story ended, and none of us do. But I know there's been incredible people with some incredible starts to life end up taking their life because they never added a process to the events that took place in their life. Why is it that many people that win the lottery lose the money that they win within the first year? It would seem ludicrous to lose $5 million. I mean, if I gave everyone $5 million, you'd probably just grab it and run. But to think many of us wouldn't even have it in 12 months, it's like, no, not, not me. But if we haven't learned the process of handling money, what guarantees are there that we would have it in 12 months' time? And so we can't help those that value events over process. Fourthly, we can't help those people who have an entitlement victim mentality. You can't help a victim. And you can't help someone who feels entitled. And I believe one of the spirits of this age is this spirit of entitlement, particularly amongst our younger ones. Particularly amongst young Christians they see some of these larger mega churches and all the bells and whistles that go with starting a church and they say, I want that. But can I just say, when we started this church, we never had any of this. In actual fact, when we said yes to following Jesus, it was very much with the mindset that you're going to be poor for the rest of your life. It wasn't cool. And there certainly was no entitlement. When we planted our church, we were given nothing other than an opportunity and an overhead projector. Who remembers the overhead projector? When we, were, when we were sent off, the elders laid hands on us, little push in the back, and they said, here, you can have this too. And they gave us an overhead projector. That's all we got. And we thought, wow, 
we've got an overhead projector. It's amazing. Who would have thought we'd be given our overhead projector? P.S. The arrangement when we planted our church was that for the first six months, we had to send all of our tithes and offerings back to the mother church. So my thinking is, and my calculations are, that we more than paid for that overhead projector. (laughs) We weren't given much. But you know what? We weren't expecting much. And we've got to break this sense of entitlement that's amongst, that's, that's just, it's like a grip. We, you, can't, you can't help someone with a sense of entitlement or a spirit of entitlement or a victim mentality. You just can't help them. We see that in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 is a story about a father and his two sons. One grabs all of his inheritance, goes off, squanders it and comes back repentant. And the father says, I love you and puts on a big feast for him. But there was another brother, another son, who stayed with his father the whole time. And in seeing his son come back and seeing his son being celebrated, the older brother did not like it. And picking up in verse 28, it says, The older brother became very angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the cat and fattened calf for him. He's a victim. Poor old me. You never gave me anything. I deserve something. This notion that you deserve something, can I just say, you don't want what you deserve. Can I just say, as Christians know this, you do not want to get what you deserve. Do you know what we deserve? We deserve death. We have this entitlement. I deserve better than that. We don't deserve the grace of God, but we get it. It's amazing. And this older brother failed to see what he was living in every day, the blessing and the favour of the father every day of his life, but his victim mentality and his entitlement mentality robbed him of seeing of what he had before his very eyes. And the thing about this story is he refused to go in. You can't help them. The father loved on him, supplied his every need, was there for him. He even went out to try and bring him in. But even the compelling and the loving father could not bring him in. You can't help everybody. You can't help a victim mentality. You can't help someone with an entitlement spirit in their life. This is a twofold message. If you're recognizing these things in your life, deal with it. If you're starting to recognize it in others, you may need to bring some distance because you're going to waste your time. You can't help those with these things. And fifthly, if the band can come, that'd be great. Those who consistently pursue destructive relationships. You can't help someone who continues to hang around the wrong people. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be unequally yoked. And we grew up with that as a thought. And it was often talked about in the terms of getting married. You don't want to marry an unbeliever. And I certainly think that thinking holds. But I think it's deeper than that. I don't think you as a Christian just marrying another Christian person is a good fit for you. Just because they're a Christian doesn't mean they're right for you. 
Just because they love God doesn't mean they're right for you. You, you need people in your life that are friends of your destiny. People that are going to take you further. People are going to help you through those dark days in order to get further because to get further, it's not always going to be easy. And you need people who can uphold your hands and help you through those tough moments. Some might say, but Tony, you can't help but who you fall in love with. You ever said that? Ever thought that? Ever heard that? Can't help but who you fall in love with. And I say, well, that depends who you listen to. If you listen to your inner preacher, that would be true. But if you listen to the Word of God, it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. You might have feelings for someone, but you've got to guard your heart. You've got to, you've got to start saying, hey, well, well, she might be attractive, but is she for me? I'm not just going to fall in love with her because of how she looks, how she sounds, her cute little accent. I'm not going to let my heart, I'm going to guard my heart. I'm not just going to give my heart to anyone. You can actually help who you fall in love with. Let's not have this fatalistic view that, you know, que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We can help it. Just to love someone's not enough. You know, Elise and others who have worked in social services know this to be true. They've seen it firsthand. Where parents have been beating their children. And the social services have had to get in there and separate the families. And you would think at that moment, the kids would be grateful. You think at that moment, the parents would be grateful for just the relief and respite. But no, it's tears. We love them. No, don't take them. We love them. We love them. Our, our view of love has become so distorted. It's become so distorted. I, I, I don't want to set a standard for our young girls of this gentleman that doesn't exist. Geordie's got this great long list of a guy. I don't know if he's alive. And I'm sure that'd be true of many young ladies. You've got this list. And I think that's possibly a little bit of an extreme to what I'm saying. But I think you have the right as young people to ask yourself, what do I want in a man? What do I want in a woman? What is the call of God on my life? Who's going to be a good fit for that? Instead of the call of God being thwarted in your life, because you've been taken away by a beautiful young lady, but it just wasn't the best fit for you. It never ceases to amaze me how people consistently pursue destructive relationships. And can I say this? And I've said it many times from this platform before. Someone who's bad for you doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they may not be good for you. And I say all these things tonight because I think it goes hand in hand with our message in the morning. If we don't add some disciplines to our life, if we don't learn to make some good choices, 
and getting up in the morning just that little bit earlier and praising God and reading His Word is a good choice. If we don't put those good choices into practice, we're going to become cannon fodder for the enemy. I shared what I shared this morning, not to scare anyone, but to prepare you and to let you know that there is one who wants to kill you and destroy and steal from you. But knowing that should empower us to want to pray, to want to fast, to want to praise, to want to give God glory, to read our Bible, because that's the way forward for us. And if we say, oh, that's good, Tony, but still too hard. It's okay for you as a preacher. You don't do anything anyway. You only work on Sundays. And it's not even a full day. It's just in the morning and at night. So you've got the rest of the day to yourself. You don't even work for a full day. Follow me for a day and we'll see. But I can't help you. I can't help you. I would love to open the front up and just pray for you. I wish I had this magic wand. I really do. But if we don't make a commitment, we're just going to be pushed from pillar to post. If we don't choose to believe what God says about us, just how much He loves us, and we just settle for some loser out there that just wants to abuse us and call that love because we don't believe what real love is and real love looks like, can't help you. If you can't silence the inner preacher in you right now and just take a hold and take stock of what is being preached, can't help you. And so whether this is stirring something within you or, or you're reminded of some people that you just need to let go for the sake of your future so you're not wasting your time and not being distracted, it's a good day. It's a good day. Jesus was teaching about drinking His blood and eating His body, which was a reference to what was about to happen to Him and the start of a new covenant. They didn't get it. Many of His disciples were grossed out and they left. And Jesus said, okay, bye. And then He turns to the 12, those that were closest to Him and said, do you want to leave too? Because I can't change what I've just said. I can't help you if you want to go. And then Peter, full of revelation, full of wisdom, building his life on the rock, says, where else can we go? Where else can we go? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 